It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here in the co- in the studio with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Welcome, everybody. We are in the Hammered Sports Lounge tonight, getting prepared for uh, a big night ahead of us with the UFC on ESPN review. Uh, we'll discuss briefly the tragedy surrounding uh, the loss of Kobe Bryant. We will preview the Super Bowl. And then... Prop-a-palooza. It is prop night, and that will consume a big portion of tonight's podcast. So without <laughs> further... worse. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, let's go with the UFC on ESPN review, Tom. Uh, we're just going to recap the two fights that were at the at the end of the card um Chiesa Dos Anjos and uh Dos Santos against Blades um started with obviously that Chiesa uh victory over Dos Anjos tell me what you saw Tom yeah I think uh Chiesa finally looked good at that weight um he looked strong uh RDA is very good on the ground but Chiesa was controlling him on the ground he was transitioning from sub to sub really well. He really it went to a decision, but he really controlled that fight. Um, RDA had some moments on the feet, but, I mean, once he got, got a hold of him and got him to the ground or he took his back a couple times, I mean, it, he really dominated the grappling. Yeah, you know, you didn't really think that that was necessarily going to be the case. I talked about last week how maybe Dos Anjos has just kind of reached the end of his career now, and uh, he looked kind of like a shell of himself uh, from what you saw years ago. Yeah. Um, RDA is actually one and four in his last five fights with this one. Um, some of them were, were better talented. And now, again, Chiesa looked like a much better fighter this night. So, you know, it might be time for him to start tumbling down the rankings and give new guys a chance. And I heard uh, one of the projected fights for Chiesa coming up to be against Colby Covington, which could be a really fun matchup. Yeah, he called he called Covington out right away. Um, in the That's all he wanted to say um, in his pre or post-fight interview. And it's very interesting because Covington's a pretty good grappler himself. He likes to take guys down. Um, so, it, I mean, that could be a lot of fun to watch. And, again, uh, Covington's number two in that weight class. So, Yeah. Then the, the main event on the card, Junior Dos Santos against Curtis Blades. And early on in the fight, it looked like Dos Santos was going to do what he needed to do in keeping Blades from taking him down. But it didn't seem to matter. Yeah, Blades was 0 for 6 in takedown attempts. And coming into the fight, Blades said over and over again, he was going to take him down, he's going to take him down. In the first round, as a matter of fact. He said he was going to get him in the first round. Yeah, and the thing that was interesting about that is we haven't seen Blades, like, with a really good grappler on the ground, like somebody with jiu-jitsu who can make you tap out. So I was excited to see him take him down and see how that would would pan out because JDS has some some ground game. He's able to make people tap out. So didn't come to fruition. Um, JDS was getting him here and there in the first round. It looked pretty even. And then Blades just annihilated him with that punch. I, yeah. I don't know how Dos Santos didn't go to the ground. Like, he clipped him so hard. Yeah. And that's always the danger when you have the heavyweights like that, just like we talked about. At yeah. any moment, that type of thing can happen. And it can happen from either fighter in those heavyweight fights. And it, it turned out that Blades landed the clean shot there yeah. and then was able to get the, the nasty finish at the end. And then Blades, um, post his post-fight, called for a title shot. Um, but you had Cormier later in the night saying that he wants his third fight against Stipe. And if it doesn't come in the summer, he'll probably just retire because he, he's, 
you know, not going to just keep staying in shape, waiting for Stipe. And Stipe is hurt. So right. it's, it's not – it's up in the air when he'll be able to fight. So we'll see how that plays out. And I think, you know, the matchup between Cormier and Stipe was – it was a great fight the last time. Uh, Stipe finally was able to, you know, get yeah. to Cormier. Uh, Cormier is, is so great at what he does and so well-rounded that he probably deserves another shot at it if he wants it. Yeah, I think that's the best fight, I mean, to get excited about, um, especially knowing it's Cormier's last last go either way, basically. Um, it'll be fun. It would be fun to see. Let him have a shot to retire the champ um, or give Stipe a shot to retire the champ, however you want to look at it. Um, but I think that is the, the fight that we all want to see as fans. But, we, you know, these things don't always work out in the UFC, and sometimes that can be disappointing. I mean, we've seen it with St. Pierre. There's so many good fights we wanted to see. It's just they don't materialize sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, moving on. I did have one other thing. Yeah. Uh, we talked about him a little bit in the pre-matchup. Alex Perez, he had a first-round um, sub. He looked very good. Uh, he had the nice arm and neck choke and – you know, big things for that kid. He's, Should be fun to watch moving forward. Yeah, three and one. I, I would definitely keep an eye on on him because he looked good again. Yeah. So moving on, we uh, we like to keep the podcast lighthearted and fun as much as we can. Uh, but we would be remiss if we didn't spend a few minutes talking about the tragedy uh, in Calabasas, where Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter were killed, along with uh, his friend and uh, a teammate of his yeah. daughter Gianna and uh her mother as well uh, yeah there were nine all together it's just a, a yeah. real tragedy um you know it's, it's one of those things that i one thing i've seen from this so far has been a lot of players um in, in all sports not just basketball talking about how you can't take some of this stuff for granted i mean sure a helicopter may sound extravagant to us but this is something kobe bryant did every day yeah he took helicopters almost every day to and from work to and from places um, it's just like any other commute to him, and, you know, you never really know when it's going to be the last one. And, you know, right before we came on, we were watching some TNT, and, you know, Shaquille O'Neal had a really heartfelt message where he, he was reaching out to people to kind of mend some, some bridges and just, you know, there's, there's no reason to hold on to some stuff. And I think that, you know, we could all take that away from it. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, everybody can, can reflect on how they're living their own life when you see somebody 41 years old who had a lot left to give. He had an amazing basketball mind, and a lot of people were so excited about what he was going to bring to the sport moving forward and what he was going to bring to the world moving forward. It looked like he was, you know, making an impact on a number of, of young people's lives every day. So uh, very sad to see him go in that fashion. Yeah, and I really think that his daughter as well, uh, Gigi there, she was going to be huge for women's basketball. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the name recognition alone was going to be huge. She was already talking about going to UConn. By all accounts, she was an amazing basketball player for her age. And, you know, if she, her goals were UConn, WNBA, and if you can get someone that may bring in eyes from outside of the regular scope of WNBA, it could have been huge for them. Um, so it's just really, really sad. Uh, I do just want to, you know, talk a little bit about our memories from Kobe too because I think that that's something, you know, we want to ever – it's a tragedy everyone's talk about um, how, why, uh, you know, that's not really – what I would like to, to dwell on, really. It's just right. more about the memories. And uh, my memories of Kobe will always be playoffs. I yeah. mean, his the, the five championship seasons he had, every single one he was an animal in the playoffs. Um, yeah. So, like, the and I'll never forget the Celtics, the series against the Celtics. They went to seven games. Um, Kobe was amazing in that. Back and forth, Lakers, Celtics. I mean, it's his, 
it's as big as you can get in the NBA. It's those two franchises for the NBA title. And out of the seven games, Kobe led the game in scoring six out of the seven times. The only time he didn't was the, the game two where Ray Allen couldn't miss. Um, so, I mean, the, so those are some of the memories and those early early matchups with uh, Sacramento Kings and, and the, those great games between, like, three years in a row they met the Lakers and Kings, and the Lakers would win and go on to win the title all three years, and just the Kings took them to the limit a couple times, and they're a great, great series, all three of them. Yeah, and, you know, there are so many great stories about Kobe Bryant and his work ethic. That seems to be the thing that I take away from his career the most is the fact that he was willing to outwork everyone. That That was really his claim was that he will work harder than you. I'm trying to remember who it was that told the story about going to the gym and uh, shooting prior to a game against the Lakers. And Kobe saw the kid, and I can't remember which player it was that was telling the story, but it was it was just the story of Kobe saying afterwards, yeah, I saw you in the gym shooting for two hours this morning. I was exhausted, but I wasn't going to let you think that you could work more and work harder than I could. And that kind of intensity and, and desire to put in the work you know that that's part of what not only was he immensely talented, but he would outwork everyone. Yeah, I mean, there's those clips of him at practice getting after the guys at practice, you know, complaining about their effort, and you know, it, it that helps the team when your best player, uh, by far, at sometimes was is just telling everyone else you're not trying hard enough in practice. You know, you you have some people who maybe sh- shrug off practice a little bit, um, but you know, him telling everyone this is important. This is how we get good for games and. It definitely showed in the results. And, you know, that that work ethic, you just can't – not everybody has that. It, it, it's right. an innate thing in, in some people. They just know that they have to work harder than everyone else if they want to be the best. And he obviously had a desire to be the best. Um, you know, and, and there are a lot of quotes here that you go through. Um, he, he stuck to a strict diet to maintain his advantage. Um he wasn't going to cut corners even when it came to telling his own story. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at an article here that just that was prior to his death that just goes into detail of so many amazing things that he did. Um, it says, oh, it was Jay Williams that told the story. Yeah. Um, during a regular season game against the championship Lakers, Jay took the court uh, for practice four hours before the game against the Lakers. Uh, he was shocked to see Kobe practicing already. Williams practiced for an hour, and after he was done practicing, he sat down, but he still heard the ball bouncing. Jay was shocked because Kobe had been in a dead sweat when he got there for practice, and he was still going after Jay got done. He also added that Kobe was not practicing lazy or nonchalant moves, but full-on game moves. Uh, Kobe scored 40 points points that night and torched Jay and the Bulls. Williams therefore decided to go ask Bryant why he was in the gym for so long. When Jay finally asked him, the Black Mamba replied, because I saw you come in, and I wanted you to know that it doesn't matter how hard you work, I'm willing to work harder than you. You inspire me to be better. Yeah. That's just the – I mean, that it just fits yeah. Yeah, who Kobe Bryant was. Yeah, that's the Mamba mentality when people are talking about being that competitive. You know, you see this in all the great athletes across the sport. I mean, they just have something about them that drives them to, even though they're already good or great, to just push to go even further and further. And that's what makes these great athletes special, and he's no exception to that. Yeah, I mean that that story is just amazing to me, and yeah. and you know even as somebody who was not a Laker fan by any stretch of the imagination, uh, his 
that story, you know, gave me goosebumps when I heard Jay Williams tell the story for the first time. Yeah. I also heard a story um, there's playing in, uh, on TV the other day where Kobe was talking about why he uses a helicopter and it was his kids, um, you know, from where he lives in LA to the, to the stadium and the practice facility. It's like an hour and a half drive because of how crazy traffic is in LA, but it's a 15 minute helicopter ride. So by using the helicopter, he's able to get the kids off to school fly into practice to shoot around, do that, fly back home, get the kids from school, um, check them in, make sure everything's good, and then fly back for the game. And his wife used to say, hey, look, I can do this. You don't have to come back. And he's like, listen, I missed too much already. I'm on the road for weeks at a time. I'm already missing too much. I'm not going to miss any more than I have to. I mean, that's the kind of person he was and grew to be. And, you know, he talks about how he has only had daughters and it's good because he's a he's a dad for daughters. He, he understands them better. And, yeah, you know so. And you know, there's just no doubt that um, Kobe Bryant will be missed by a lot of people, uh, and even people who we never met. You know, sure. he had a huge impact on a lot of lives. So, um, you know, we again we we like to stay lighthearted and fun as much as we can, but uh, we felt like we had to spend a few minutes talking about that tragedy tonight. Absolutely. Um, hard to transition out of that, um, but. Uh, we have to move on to the Super Bowl now, uh, where the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers will face off. Uh, what do you got, Tom? So the way we decided to, to kind of split this up, we're going to talk a little bit about each team and then about the matchup. Um, so the Chiefs, I mean, what can, what can you say? Their, their offense is high-powered. It's so much fun to watch. Uh, Mahomes is creative. Andy Reid is creative. The combination, I think, is what's really taken them to the next level. Um, Mahomes can do a lot of things that a lot of quarterbacks think they can do until they try it and they really can't. Mahomes has arm strength. He has accuracy. He has vision. I mean, Kevin and I were talking about this before. Um, his ability to read defenses and anticipate where the openings are going to be is what makes him so well, so good and gets the ball out of his hands on time and all that. Yeah. And we've got through uh, BetUS.com, it's uh, San Francisco getting one point right now. Uh, juiced a little bit to Kansas City at minus 115, uh, over under at 54 and a half right now. Uh, we've talked a lot about how to attack this game between the two of us off air, yeah. and it, it's been difficult for me to, to decide how I really envision this game going. I even was vacillating today as I was riding home. I was listening to uh, a podcast by the PFF guys talking about the matchup and and where the advantages were and how people graded out and this is truly the Super Bowl that we deserve these two teams are deserving to be there and their contrast in styles is interesting and should lend to a lot of intrigue in the game itself yeah I mean it's you got the best of both on each side so the, the Chiefs have the best offense in football I know the Ravens had a lot of the numbers but I think it's it's pretty safe to say the Chiefs have the best offense in football. And the 49ers have the, be the best defense right now. Um, they're getting after people. They sack the quarterback. They make you make throws in tight windows. They, they play smart. You're not going to beat themselves on defense. And so you get to see the best of both teams up against each other. I mean, that's a lot of fun. And then on the other side, you have this offense for the Niners that just is bucking all the trends and just – we're going to beat you physically. That offensive line, I mentioned it before, they're so big and yeah. so physical. They're fun to watch. They're just throwing people around, and they have running backs who are just hitting the line, making plays. 
Um, they're just gashing people, and they do fun things in their run game too. It's not just, you know, not, we're not just halfback dives. We're doing stretch plays. We're doing traps. We're, you know, they mix all that in. They're pulling people. Uh, their tight end Kittle's getting after it. Um, so, and, and and the Chiefs defense has been on the rise all season. They really struggled early on, and they've been getting better, healthy and better the whole this whole stretch. So, one of the big impacts I think in this game will be Chris Jones being near 100 percent that extra week was really valuable for him to get back where he needs to be Um, he's a huge difference maker on the interior of that defensive line and I think that his ability to create problems in the backfield is what what could make the difference in this game Um, on that side of the ball anyway so they talked a lot when I was listening today um, to a couple of different things there's a lot of talk about that 49er running game and I've been a critic of Jimmy G all year long it's no secret sure um I don't know if he's got what it takes to put a team on his back in particular if they fall behind so they do need to be right there or they need to be in the lead the majority of the game if they fall behind I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble yeah that's one of the things I said to you I think that not to give away my pick, but in order, when I'm looking at the game and I'm thinking, I'll, you think of the different way, routes it can go, okay? And if this happens, how does this team react if this happens? And when I'm doing that, I feel like 49ers, in order for them to win, they need a lot to go right. They need an almost perfect game script of getting off to a lead or being really close in the beginning of the game through the middle of the game. They need to control the, the ball, control time of possession, and not turn it over, not give up those short fields because we've seen what, what Mahomes and them can do with a short field and really wear on the Chiefs and be in it the whole time and then finish them at the end with the running and you know um, picking up a couple third and fives. Um, the opposite side, the Chiefs, I feel like they can win a whole bunch of different ways just because of how explosive that offense is. They can be down 10 nothing and erase it in minutes. Um, we've seen them do it twice already in the playoffs. It doesn't seem to matter to them. And they can also, what I loved about what they did to the Texans, once they got that lead, they did not slow down. Uh, they said, you know what, the best way to keep a lead is to keep adding on, and they really just kept doing that. And I, don't, I mean, that's the best recipe for success. If you have an advantage on that offensive side, just keep going. There's no reason to slow down. As I was uh, listening today to a bunch of different things, the thing that came to my mind was the way that they attack defenses. And I think that the way that they will attack this defense is not getting in the intermediate game early on, but looking to stretch the field and then throwing the shallow crossers. You're talking about the Chiefs? And the Chiefs offense, yeah. Uh, I think that they'll attack that 49ers defense by stretching early looking at a couple of deep shots probably not at Sherman because that's what he does best is cover the deep ball um he gave up he's given up one this year um and his he's given up a total of like 227 passing receiving yards this this season which is incredible um he can be had but it's the hardest way to get him by going deep sure I think that the best way for them to attack this game is going to be keep the linebackers concerned about the the shallow crossers and the guys coming across the middle and the hitch routes. Get those guys in the secondary of the cover three to be concerned about getting deep or getting beat over the top, and then 
you find that that pocket right in the middle you know find that pocket at 12 to 18 yards downfield get Sherman concerned about the deep ball and then snap it off if you're Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins um you know, I think that is where Kansas City is going to make hay late in the game if they need to. Uh, I think that is how they can attack that team. If it's not successful getting over the top, if they're coming up and making the tackles on the short completions, then you start attacking that middle, that intermediate piece of the field, levels concepts and, and running, you know, uh, your, your smash corner concepts and things like that to get guys that are stuck kind of in conflict. Do I need to come up? as the linebacker if i if i'm gonna if i'm taking that false step forward and i'm taking an extra step back with that corner now all of a sudden i've got a gap in there and i think patrick mahomes is the guy that can hit that yeah i I think um not to get too you know technical about the game but i think that's how how we're gonna see them try to attack it i think that that's the area where san francisco could have some vulnerability you know i think the chiefs uh when you look at their team um patrick mahomes is what makes this go you look at him in the, the two games in the playoffs, 65% completion percentage, 615 yards, eight touchdowns to zero interceptions. He, By the way, he also leads the team in rushing um, with 14 fewer attempts than Damian Williams. Um, and he spreads the ball. They have four wide receivers with at least seven catches for 65 yards on a touchdown. Damian Williams, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and Travis Kelsey. So when you're a defensive coordinator and you're looking at all this, you don't have one or one or two guys that you go, hey, if we stop this guy, we stop that guy. I mean, your only chance is to get to Mahomes, and one, he gets rid of the ball pretty fast. Two, he's very mobile. Um, not just running the ball mobile, but able to make moves in the pocket to buy himself some time. So both those things become challenges for you. Um, the the 49ers do have nine sacks in their two games, but you're you know you're you're talking about different people. Russell Wilson usually gives up a lot of sacks. Um, Rodgers, I mean, yeah, they were getting to him. That offensive line is doesn't ever seem to have been very good. And I think some of that's because Rodgers likes to hold well, on the Kirk ball. Well, Kirk Cousins stands still in the pocket. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can't Cousins remember how many times it. they got to him. Yeah. But, um, you know, I can't wait to, to get into our props. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but when I, when I look at this game, I think that the outcome is Kansas City. Uh, I, I think Kansas City is going to win the game. I think that um, they're going to do what they need to do in that passing game. I don't see yeah. – it, it's it always seems like and, – and it's probably just a, a few plays that have, have put this mindset in me, but Damian Williams seems to always make some kind of catch in a big play. He, yeah. he really does a great job of having an explosive play in the receiving game more so than the running game, it feels like. Yeah, he's very good in open space, and he's very decisive once he gets the ball um, in open space like that. He just seems to go. And I think in, when he runs the ball, he sometimes he doesn't have that, which is odd. Yeah. I mean, all the big people around him maybe make him a little hesitant. Yeah. Um, you know, I would just the, the only concern with the Chiefs for me is they have been they have been beat by some teams who can run the ball a couple times this year. Yeah. Obviously, the 49ers are the best at it, so it makes you worry a little bit. But they've been better lately. Obviously, they they made Derrick Henry you know a non-factor in that game. Um, so I, the best part about the Super Bowl is you have two weeks to get ready for it. When you give guys um, like Shanahan and Reed two weeks to prepare, they're going to be prepared. It really comes down to what do the defenses do to counter what they think they're going to do. You almost have to be thinking ahead. Okay, this is you have to self-scout. This is our defense. This is what we do well. Okay, how would I beat this? 
okay, I would do this. So that's probably what Andy Reid's going to do. Now, what can I do to stop what I think he's going to do to beat what we normally yeah. do? You know, like you can drive yourself crazy thinking that way, but you have to have that in, in mind and have something in place for that because both of these offensive minds are very good. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see San Francisco come out and throw seven straight passes or something. Right. You know, give Just a completely give them a completely different look than what they're expecting, and it may be effective on that early drive. Kansas City is shown to be susceptible early in games to teams who draw up game plans against them, but they've adjusted very well. Steve Spagnuolo was the defensive coordinator of that Giants team that ended up beating the Patriots. Um, he st- seems to do a good job at taking away what you do best, yeah. and that that is where they're going to try and neutralize that running game and make Garoppolo beat them. Can he get that done? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and, and that'll be fun to watch. I mean, I think that there's a couple of reasons why this Super Bowl is a lot more exciting. I think one is the matchups that we're talking about, but I think two, it seems to be a changing of the guard in the NFL right now. I mean, we're walking to the Pro Bowl, and you got Drew Brees saying that he, he's thinking about retiring, and it's not just a thought. Like, he's seriously going to consider it. He's going to talk with family and friends. Um, you have Philip Rivers being told he's not coming back to the Chargers. Tom Brady's up in the air. Ben Roethlisberger missed all of last year. So all these guys were used – Eli Manning retired. So all these guys were used to seeing in the Super Bowl are kind of in flux, either going to different teams or going to be retired. And now we have these two young kids. Uh, I guess Grapple's not as young, but, you know, he's still only in his third, fourth season with the ni- – third season with the third Niners? Third season yeah. with the Niners, Third yeah. season with the Niners. And you got Mahomes with his third season with the Chiefs. And – you know, we got some young blood in it at coaching. I mean, Andy Reid's been there before, but Shanahan's breaking through. Um, I think it should be very fun to see how this goes and how it kind of – it's going to tell people what's going to win in the Super Bowl too. If you're, the 49ers come out and just run it down the Chiefs' throats, you got a lot of teams sitting at home going, hey, we got a good running game. Let's keep, let's keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. And if the Chiefs just throw it all over the place, you have some teams who are going, well, we can't do that. We need to start looking elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, um, you know, San Francisco to jump out early because I think Shanahan is really great at scheming up a, a game plan. You know, when he draws up the first 10 or 15 plays, I think he's going to have a lot of stuff there that Reed and Spagnolo aren't used to or aren't prepared for necessarily. So I would not be surprised at all to see San Francisco jump out. Uh, and if that defense can make a quick stop, that you know, the game could swing quickly. Uh, because I don't think San Francisco's defense is as vulnerable as Tennessee or Houston was to what Kansas City does in that scenario. I still think Kansas City is is not dead. They're never dead at this point. You can't say that about no, them. You can't so count them out. Um, it's going to be a really fun matchup. I'm super excited. This is the most excited I've been for a Super Bowl matchup in a long time. And when you look back to last year, if D Ford doesn't jump off sides or line up in the neutral zone against New England. You're talking about a Kansas City team that could be going for back-to-back here. Yeah, and I, I think we're going to be seeing them for a while. We're just before the podcast started, we were talking about this could be the beginning of the, their own dynasty. You know, they were in the AFC Championship game last year, then the Super Bowl this year. Um, you know, no signs of stopping. I mean, uh, we'll see as they go forward. Obviously, contracts will come up and stuff, but it doesn't seem like they're going to have any turnover going into next season. So. Yeah, um, that most of those pieces are, are in place for another year or two. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Well, my pick in this game is going to be Kansas City minus the one. And I would take under 54 and a half, uh, even with Kansas City winning. I think that San Francisco's offense is going to be the vulnerability in this game. I, li- I like, um, you know, somewhere in the in the realm of like 31 20 or something of that nature, you know. <laughs> 
So That's, Kevin has not seen my pick. I'll, I'll just be very clear with that. He's not seen my pick. But I actually wrote down Chiefs 27, Niners 20. I think the, I think the Chiefs will be up a little bit. I think the Niners' defense is good enough to not let the big plays happen. So I think the Chiefs are going to have to sustain some drives, which they're plenty capable of doing. But I just don't see a lot of the big touchdown plays that they're used to getting. So I think they'll get to 27. They might be up like 27-13 in the, you know, late in the fourth, and then the Niners get a touchdown trying to come back. But I, I just feel like the Chiefs have enough weapons and enough ways to attack that Niners' defense that the Niners are not going to be able to take it all away. So they're going to score. And then when I look at the other side of the ball, I just don't know how the Niners are going to be able to keep up. The Chiefs' secondary hasn't been great, but they've made plays. They've made yeah. big picks, big hits. Um, I just feel like maybe Tyron Matthew gets a big pick towards the end. Something yeah. like that happens. Uh, but, yeah, I have Chiefs 27, 49ers 20. Yeah, and I'm Chiefs 31, 49ers 20. Um, so that those are our selections for the big game. Uh, we're going to step away for a moment. Uh, we'll come back, and it's going to be prop time. Stick with us. And welcome back to the Hammered Sports Studio here, as it is time to talk some Super Bowl props. So Tom and I have established a little contest here where we are using a fictional $100 for each wager. So we have $500 total in our bankroll. And each of our five selections will be $100. And after the weekend is over, we will tally up who came out on top, who has the larger bankroll at the end of the weekend. So, for example, should I hit a prop that is, say, plus 350 on a $100 wager, that means I'd get 450 back, my 100 I wagered, plus the 350 that I won. Yeah. So we're going to go through it in that fashion as the contest and the loser will be bringing booze next time the booze will be provided and we have a couple because we also have that fantasy um draft we did for the super bowl too so we'll have a couple fun things to go over next week yeah to cover the super bowl besides just you know how it shook out um the fun with props for the super bowl is there is literally no limit to the nonsense you can you can get action on uh, from anything pretty much Tom, why don't you run down a few of the fun props? Uh, what do you have in front of you? There is some ridiculous ones. So starting with the national anthem, there's about uh, – and we used Bovado. Um, Bovada, yeah. They're they're pretty good. Uh, they have a ton of props. Like, will Demi Lovato be wearing a skirt, dress, or a gown? Yes or no? Right. Uh, will she forget or omit a word from the national anthem? Will she be using a microphone on a stand? I mean, literally anything you can think of. Um, distance of the longest penalty in the game. How many Instagram posts will Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend post on February 2nd? Demi Lovato microphone color. <laughs> um, will they mention Katie Sowers being the first female coach in the Super Bowl? Which, it's the over is only 0, 0. 0.5, but it's at minus 400. I mean, they have to mention it at least once. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to put some money on that, it seems you're not getting much in return, but it seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of these are just, they have some really wild ones, and including the Puppy Bowl, um, you know, obviously some of that stuff is, you you really have no idea what you're wagering on, but it, it's something that people pay attention to and, and something that people do. It, it makes the big game fun for people who may not have a huge interest in the game in, in under normal circumstances. Yeah, and that's how they get viewers for this. I mean, this... This is way more than a casual, you know, if you're watching 
week in, week out, you're watching the Super Bowl. But with the Super Bowl, they rein in a lot of casual fans. I mean, there's bet, you can bet on commercials. i to find those again. Hold on here. Yeah, I mean, while he looks at that, there, when you get into the game stuff, the options are just limitless. Yeah, there's here one here that says, will the Super Bowl MVP mention, who will the Super Bowl MVP mention first in the speech? Teammates, God, the city, the coach, or the owner? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is so much fun to, to get involved. And like we said last week, if you don't have a friend that's doing a prop sheet, I think you could probably find them online. Um, and, and they're just really fun to fill out yeah. and play along with. Go through this, pick 10, 10 12 that you think are, are entertaining and inclusive. That's the fun part about this. It, it's all inclusive. You do not need to know anything about uh, football to decide whether it's going to be heads or tails. I mean, that's one of the props. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to start first. I'll, I'll give you my first prop pick that I selected. And uh, my first selection is total interceptions thrown by Patrick Mahomes over one half. So that's minus 125. So I'm wagering that he will throw one interception in the game. That was minus 125? Minus 125. Okay. And, again, we don't know what the other person picked. We kind of spring it on each other, make it fun. Yeah. Uh, Kev's betting on Mahomes making a mistake, which he hasn't done yet. So Right. Um, mine, my first one, I'm, I swung big first. Um, first touchdown scored of the entire game by Travis Kelsey at plus 850. I love Kelsey in the red zone. I like the Chiefs to score some points. So give me Kelsey and a, and a shot at yeah. really putting a big number up to start. Absolutely. Uh, I heard, uh, I think it was on the Against All Odds podcast, uh, one of the guys there with Cousin Sal actually had the same selection for the Super Bowl this weekend. Yeah, uh, Kelsey to score the first touchdown of the game. Uh, my next prop is total rushing yards for Jimmy Garoppolo over four and a half minus 130. <laughs> You'd hope. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm hoping that at some point he's got to tuck it and run. That was four and a half? Yeah, over four and a half. And minus one? Minus 130. 130. All right. My second one, I went with. Total receiving yards over 54.5 for Debo Samuel at minus 130. I think that no matter how the game script goes, they're getting him the ball a few times, and I think that he should be able to get 54.5 is not a huge number. Yeah. I kind of like that one. Nice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that he's really target 1A now there uh, with with Kittle. You know, it's Kittle and Debo Samuel are the two targets that you have to be concerned with. Um my next selection is actually also a total receiving yards selection, and this is Sammy Watkins under 49.5 for minus 110. And I think that Sammy Watkins had a breakout game last week, but Sammy Watkins has a tendency to disappear, and there are times where he's not even on the field um, in some of their spread situations. What so was that uh, yardage number? 49.5. Under 49.5, minus 110. Stay under 50 yards, Sammy. Yeah. So the next one, I decided to go with a couple fun ones here in the middle. I went Demi Lovato over two minutes and four seconds in the National Anthem. I think she's going to ham it up and draw it out. Um, She's been at like 158. Yes, I looked into this. Yeah. And I think the Super Bowl deserves a bigger show. So give me the extra six seconds. It's minus 130. Demi Lovato over two minutes and four seconds. For the All right. Anthem. 
Yeah, and that's when everybody's got their stopwatch out during the national anthem one <laughs> yeah. time a year, and this is yeah. it. Uh, my next selection is actually uh, the team to make the longest field goal. I went with the San Francisco 49ers minus 110. Now, that is just a selection based on the fact that I think that they are the team that's more likely to have to kick a field goal, first of all. Yeah. I think that Robbie Gold is more dependable than He's Harrison really Butker. Good. So even if Butker gets an attempt at 49, 50 yards, he could miss it in that pressure situation. I trust Robbie Gold more. And um, the Chiefs were slightly favored at minus 125 here. So I took the 49ers at minus 110. So it'll be longest field goal, 49ers minus 110. Uh, my next one was also a fun one. What color liquid will be dumped on the winning coach? Um, I went with the lime green yellow for plus 250. I think, again, it's a crapshoot. I mean, how, how the hell am I supposed to know what color yeah. Gatorade they have on the sideline? But I feel like lime green yellow is the most common Gatorade you see out there. Um, so I'm just hoping they don't have, like, Chiefs red or Niners red. And it's the most refreshing, let's be honest, yeah, if you're so. in the middle of a of sporting event. Lime green yellow is, is the type of Gatorade that I want to consume yeah. during I don't want to have red. Uh, you know, All I, that, that extra sugar. Yeah, it's, it just tastes it doesn't have the same refreshing lemony you know kind of feel that so i'm hoping they have a bunch of that ready to go yeah i think that's a good selection uh my final choice was my big swing and it was will any player score three or more touchdowns now this doesn't include a quarterback passing for touchdowns it's they actually have to score the touchdown um i chose yes at plus 525 who's that player gonna be i don't care it doesn't matter to me. Just any player, you know, you, you end up with plus 525, yeah, for the yes there. So that that was my big swing. You know, maybe Travis Kelsey's eating them up. Maybe Tyreek Hill's getting them over the top. Yep. Maybe Damian Williams somehow punches. Moster punches <laughs> it in three times. You yeah. know, there's uh, there are a lot of possibilities of that happening. And at plus, plus 525, I thought it was worth the swing. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's the fun part of the way we're doing this. You are paid off if one of these big ones really hits for you um my last one was will patrick mahomes throw two or more touchdowns in any one quarter i said yes for plus 230 i mean i feel like he does this at least once a game where he has a big quarter he gets he seems to get real hot and and spurts so and it takes them no time at all to score with that offense yeah so i thought that one was a pretty good bet for getting plus 230 i mean i have faith in this you look at that second or third quarter and and he gets an early score in either of those and now all of a sudden you're in a great situation yeah. because you know they're going to touch the ball one or two more times in the quarter. Yeah. So that's a you know that, that's a nice play. I I looked at that one and contemplated it as well. I'm glad that we didn't cross streams here with any of these wagers. You, you so. never want to cross the streams. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I think the big game is going to be amazing. Um, even if the score ends up being about what we said, I, I think it's going to be really fun to watch this matchup. Yeah. The, it, the, the matchup's great. We have a bunch of stuff going on, which should make it fun for us. We're also going to be live tweeting um, the Super Bowl, kind of like we did the national championship game. So make sure you guys are paying attention to that. We'll be putting up polls like we did last time. It was a lot of fun. Uh, make sure you're being interactive. Um, it, it makes it more fun for us. Uh, so some of, some of the commercial ones I was talking about, how many commercials will run during the Super Bowl? Over is at 92 and a half. My goodness, that's a lot of ad money. It is. And that's the part that a lot of people love is just hanging out for the commercials. Normally, I'm a, I'm a channel flipper. 
Uh, but I like to stick around and watch the commercials on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Uh, who wouldn't? And, you know, after we're done celebrating my birthday at Turning Stone on Saturday night, I think that uh, my uh, exhaustion and fatigue won't even be able to operate a remote anyways on Sunday evening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are going out for Kevin's birthday. It, it does often fall on Super Bowl weekend, so we're going to go and hit up the local casino and uh, place a few wagers on the game, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, we'll see We'll see how those shake out as well. Well, you know, maybe we'll throw a couple of tweets out there while we're at Turning Stone uh, in the sports book there. Yeah. And uh, let you know action that we're going to fire on on Saturday afternoon and evening while we're there. Uh, we plan to arrive probably late afternoon. Yeah. And uh, might fire off a couple of tweets of some picks that we're going to make in person uh, at Turning Stone Casino. Yeah, we're definitely going to be hitting up that sports book a couple couple rounds in there, I'm sure. One, one, yeah. one post-dinner. Yeah. Maybe, then, maybe one pre-dinner. I mean, I, pre I like to just go look at it and then, uh, and then you know, who knows? Scott maybe out. cash and tickets late at night. That would be yeah. nice, wouldn't Ho it? Hopefully some good golf matchups, too. Um, it's a pretty good golf tournament this weekend. So The Phoenix Open this weekend? Phoenix, Phoenix Open. Waste Management Phoenix Open. Always fun. Always exciting with the 16th hole there. Yes. Uh, Dating back to the days of Tiger Woods with the ace when he was young in his career and the crowd going wild before they had the, the stadium built around 16. Yep. But now you get the crowd booing when people miss the green and <laughs> yeah. going nuts when people knock it stiff. It's yeah. just it's it's a really fun environment to see on TV. And uh, that's why I've, I've said for years I'd love to go out and celebrate my birthday at, at the Phoenix Open some year. I just haven't been able to make it happen yet. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it is one of the more fun ones to watch on TV. Um, and you always the good thing about this course too is you always see to have a lot of big names in the running. A lot of big names have won it. Yeah. You know, you look at people like Ricky Fowler who won it last year, finished in the top five like three of the last four years there. Right. And you know, Bubba Watson's finished in the top five, I think it was three out of the last five years himself. So yeah. you see a lot of the big names do well on this course. It's pr pretty tricky in spots, so Yeah, and uh I think this event, um, the waste management folks just talk about how much money they raise for the community at this event and it i think it is uh, they claim it to be the most charitable event on the pga tour each year which is an amazing thing uh considering some of the other events that are designed solely around uh, right some of them are charity yeah, events <laughs> absolutely yeah i mean they, they, they put on an amazing show it's always fun to watch so um a little precursor to the super bowl even it's on a little bit before that so yeah if you, if you get a little anxious and you can't had enough of that pregame make sure you check that out well i'll probably be betting some matchups for that on saturday yeah i think that sounds like a good time yeah i gotta drive back through there the next weekend anyway so i can stop and cash our winners on on the following sunday so all the um, winners yeah absolutely well um it's a little bit abbreviated compared to what we've been running, um, but I think we had a lot of great conversation tonight, and it all really surrounded around the Super Bowl and what's gonna what's coming on on uh, Sunday. So, you know, follow along with our prop bets, fire yeah. some action on them, see if you guys can make some money. I, I it would be a darn shame if you had no action on any of these props and we come back in here eight and two or yeah. you know nine and one or in something. All, in all honesty, if you're not putting action on the Super Bowl one way or the other, you probably shouldn't listen to this podcast. You should probably find something else. Yeah. If you can't get up enough to go put money on the Super Bowl in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing here. Maybe you're buying squares, you know, maybe yeah. whatever, whatever. Yeah. Just buy, get some kind of action. Please have buy a some square. Fun. Yeah. There are $10 squares everywhere. <laughs> Pony up the 10 bucks. Yeah. Get yourself some numbers. And maybe the final score is 
3525 and your 55 that looked awful is now yeah. bringing you home yeah, the, you know 500 bucks or something the old double nickel winner yeah pulling her out yeah so hey uh it's been a lot of fun um i'm excited about next week tom what do you got on tap for us so next week's gonna be a good one we got obviously the super bowl recap recap the game recap our fantasy i'll uh, recap the propapalooza um, it's probably going to be a little rowdy because of all the extra booze we're going to have to dole out to each other yeah. for the two bets. Um, so we got that. We also have a preview of the another big UFC card, John Jones getting back in the cage, and the XFL Week One preview. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of stuff next week. Next week's going to be busy. A lot of a lot of stuff to sandwich in there. So yeah. Hey, go St. Louis. Yeah, the Battle Hawks. I'm a Battle Hawk man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until All right, until next week. It's been great talking with you again. Interact with us on Twitter at hammered underscore sports. Uh, we've got some big things coming down the line. Uh, the new website is going to be coming up. We're expecting mid-February rele- yep. launch on that website. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm not going to give out the web address quite yet. Um, but we are going to have a, a fully functioning website where you're going to be able to interact with us. Um, hit us up on our personal Twitter accounts um, at Tabby11, T A B B E Y 11, and at K Gray Jr. 99, or on Facebook, Hammered Sports. Until next time, guys. Keep cashing winners. <laughs>